0: In Seattle, Seattle, and you need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're
1: the realtors that you can trust. So go to ride and Don Hey,
2: everybody, it's the Ron and Don Show.
1: Hey, you guys. What's going on? It's episode 286 now of the Ron and Don Show, and we are once again live from the Les studio.
3: What is up, Ron and Don Nation?
1: Yeah, he's Ron. I'm Don. Thanks for stopping by. You are part of the Ron and Don Nation, and thanks for reaching out to us and helping us uh, help you with your real estate journey. Just go to ronanddonsitdown.com. That's ronanddonsitdown.com if you want to sit down with us today. Coming up on the Ron and Don Show, how come farmers can't fix their own damn tractors? But Joe Biden is jumping in now and saying, hey, let the farmers fix their own damn tractors. Why are
3: you yelling at and the farmers? And he's saying that
1: with aviator glasses on. What's that? You're yelling at the farmers. <laughs> that story's crazy. Also, uh, we got to tell you about what a police department is doing in Arizona now. So instead of killing people, uh, they've come up with a different way to detain people. I think it's really interesting. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Uh, NBA, it's the finals. I'm not watching the finals, and uh, it looks like you aren't either because with the two teams that are playing right now, the Suns and the Bucks, Game 1, Game 2, those will be done by now. It seems like viewership is down over 35% because we don't see LeBron out there. We don't see Kobe out there. And as a result of that, a lot of folks are not watching the NBA Finals. Although, people are talking about the NBA and some of the reporters, one of those reporters being... Rachel Nichols, right? This is
3: a really interesting story about sort of cancel culture and uh, latent racism. Uh, you have a, a white woman and a black woman at ESPN. But it's more it's more subtle than that. So let me explain what's going on here. Uh, Rachel Nichols is a, a white woman who has worked her way up in ESPN over many years. She hosts the daily NBA show for ESPN called The Jump. And when ESPN carries games in the playoffs and into the finals, she wanted to be on the main desk for those games. Then you have another woman and her name is Maria Taylor. She is black. And so Maria Taylor has been a rising star. Everyone says that, and I've watched some of the clips of her, everyone says great reporter, Um, Super hard work ethic, gives back to young reporters, really knows her stuff, and she's very telegenic, and so she's also been involved in these broadcasts, and so what happened is Rachel Nichols was in the NBA bubble in Florida living in a hotel room, so what ESPN did is they said, hey, we're going to install a camera in your hotel suite, so when it's time for you to do a piece, you just go over the screen, it's it's linked back into Bristol, uh, you turn the camera on, you can do your stand up from the NBA bubble out of your hotel room. She says, great. So she installs this camera and unbeknownst to her, she thought she turned it off, but she didn't turn it off. So she then is having a private, what she thinks is a private conversation with LeBron James's agent. Uh, on the telephone on a speakerphone and the person back in bristol starts rolling the tape on the camera so whoever it was back in the control room in bristol sees that she's talking to lebron's agent hits record uh unbeknownst to rachel so rachel starts talking in and into this agent um and is asking and it's like hey you know, ESPN has had a history of, of not being very great with race relations or gender relations for that matter. And she's like, I'm all for that. But the thrust of the conversation was, I don't want Maria to take my gig. She's like, I felt, I, I've worked very hard to get where I am. Maria's this rising star who happens to be black. Don't bump me out of my seat uh, because you did a bad job with, with diversity because I had to fight the the gender bias to get where I am. So that tape now sits on the server. I'm paraphrasing. Obviously that tape is sitting on the server in Bristol. Rachel doesn't realize that it's there. Maria doesn't realize it's there. Some line producer back in Bristol sees this file, watches the file and and distributes it. So a, a coworker of Rachel Nichols sees that conversation, doesn't ask her, Puts it out into the universe, so now everybody knows about it. And by the way, Rachel
1: uh, was very; she was very complimentary of Maria. She was; she She was; was, she was complimentary of her. So,
3: in from a white guy's perspective, it wasn't blatant racism of like, "Oh my god," expletive, or putting her down. It's like I get it; she's good. Just don't take my gig, is what Rachel. That's the way I read Rachel's statements Mm -hmm. of like. I'm trying to protect what I've—I've I've feel like I've earned, and so I don't want to be dethroned in a sense in the NBA broadcast by somebody else who happens to be black. Not that it's because she's black; it's because I'm trying to protect, you know, I'm trying to protect what I—my my little fiefdom here. So now this gets out there into the universe. Uh, people start piling on, and now it's broken along racial lines. So there are people that are saying, oh, that's just an example of another privileged white person because Rachel Nichols is the daughter-in-law of Diane Sawyer. Uh, people are saying, oh, right, like you had to work hard. You're the daughter-in-law of Diane Sawyer. You have this white privilege. You come from a well-to-do family. You went to really ritzy schools. Yeah, boo-hoo, you worked hard to get where you are. Um, and they're saying Maria has is, is had to work 10 times harder than you because not only is she a woman, she's a black woman. And so it's it's broken along those lines. ESPN uh, did not reprimand Rachel out of the gate, because when you hear the audio, it's not super inflammatory. Uh, In other words, there's no N bombs. She's talking to I believe he's an African-American agent that represents LeBron James. So um, it broke along racial lines. Rachel was pulled off the the big desk for the NBA Finals. Maria, I believe, is inserted on that. Now, people on on Rachel's camp are going, Maria's being a diva. She's asking for, as her contract's up, she wants, um, who's the Stephen A. Smith money? She wants $5 million a year to stay on. And ESPN is in pressure because many high-profile black talent have left. Uh, Whitlock left the, the network. There's a woman, a line producer there that, that was the most senior uh, diversity employee. She just left. Jamal, is it? What's... Uh, Jamil Harris uh, or Hall, I believe is her name. Um, she was very outspoken. She got in trouble for tweeting that the president was racist. She was ousted. Yep. Her partner, uh, who they took over the 6 p.m. Sports Center, who was also black, I think it was J- Jamil and Michael. Please don't. Michael, yeah. Please Michael's Correct great. me if I'm pronouncing the, the names wrong. Um, so they both left ESPN. So ESPN is under the Microsoft going, why can't you hang on to high profile uh, black employees? Jamil,
1: they- Jamil, Jamil said, and I think this is great. She tweeted out, she said, ESPN is collecting black faces, but as soon as the black faces become black voices, they're no longer welcome,
3: and they had to, to to sort of loosen their policy. the The policy that she got in trouble for was don't don't talk politics, talk sports, mm-hmm. uh, and that supposedly applied to everybody. Uh, but when she tweeted out that she, in her mind, the president was acting, the previous president was acting uh, like a racist, um, then, and many people had tweeted that same opinion, then she got ousted from the network. Um, so the, the subtlety to me on this uh, goes as follows. Can you have a con- candid conversation that involves someone who happens to be of a different race where it's not about race? Or is it is race always in play? So if race is always in play, then what Rachel did has racial overtones if race is not in play and you just have two talented broadcasters going after the same job uh, and one happens to be white, one happens to be black. The incumbent is white. The up and comer is black. Um, Does the network, can the network promote someone and take that into consideration? So in other words, they could say Rachel's great. She's done a great job. We enjoy her work on the jump. However, we do have a diversity yeah. problem. We want to promote the black yeah. candidate.
1: Yeah, and I don't think Rachel's great. I don't watch The Jump. I don't enjoy her as a broadcaster. I enjoy Maria. I've always enjoyed uh, Maria. In fact, I was I watching...
3: I agree. I prefer her more. But yeah. I'm just saying I, think, I think
1: as far as a broadcaster goes, uh, Rachel's just really obnoxious to me. And, and I forget who she's interviewing because it's so obnoxious. So it, as a broadcaster myself... When I look at other broadcasters, I enjoy the way that Maria uh, broadcasts because her focus is really, and she really does her homework on whatever, whatever the athlete is or celebrity that she's talking to, uh, she does her homework on that. So, so I enjoy that. This is the thing that's good about this. This is the thing that's good, is that we are having this conversation. These are the impossible conversations that my black friends want to have. This is the the, when you've heard Doc on this show and Ed Ewing on this show and 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 my good friend Nolan, the state trooper, and 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 we talked about Coach Arnold. In fact, we just sold his house. The coach in Cleveland, and and now he's a cop on the on the east side. These are the conversations they want to have, and. And and these were the conversations we weren't having two or three years ago. This is a conversation that we should have about uh, uh, about ESPN. And, and even when I think in terms of the radio station that we came from, that we worked at, there were no black people that worked in our building when the Mormon church owned it. And then there started to be some pressure from the Seattle Seahawks because there's Seattle Seahawks station, you know, the Mariners station. That's a lot of black and brown players. And it's like, well, we're all, you know, Steve Rabel is not black. Dave Wyman, not black. And I could go through all the hosts that they had on ESPN radio. None of them are black. To this day, none of them. John Clayton, not black. The Gras not black. Uh, Bob and Gras not black. Mike was on there, not black. Uh, Brock Huard, not black. On that radio station, they still don't have a black host. When you go over to Cairo, where we came from, they have one black host. They have one, one. And yet you're the Seahawks station. You're the Seahawks station and you're the Mariner station, but you're owned by the Mormon church. And when you look at the Mormon there's no black members of the Mormon church board. In fact, a number of decades ago, black people weren't even allowed in the Mormon church. I don't know if they're allowed today. I don't see black people lining up to go to the Mormon church, but it's like you're, 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 you are a company, a broadcast company in Bonneville that owns major radio and television stations in big markets all over the country. You control newspapers, you control TV, and you control radio, which means you control the people that are gonna be on those channels. And to this day, I think ESPN should be ashamed of itself for not having black broadcasters on there. And they, they they had an opportunity, they had a real opportunity uh, when they decided to clean house there, and what they did is they 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 hired they hired more black people. The good thing is though, they have some women that are on the air now. They're white women, but at least they have some women on the air, so that's good. When I, when I look at the fact that Ursula Royteen, who's uh, a woman of color. Uh, that is on uh, Cairo Radio, I think that that's great. The fact that they now have a woman that is actually running Bonneville, Seattle, and, and Kathy Cangiano, who you and I have worked with ever since we started out in the business. So the fact that we're seeing a shift, even here locally, with some women getting an opportunity, but I agree. I think to be a woman and is really hard, and then to be a woman of color on top of that... I dated a state trooper who was a woman, but she's also a Native American. Very, very, very difficult for her to move up in the ranks of the state patrol, but it's beginning to happen. I think she just be- became a lieutenant, which is phenomenal, right? So, so yeah, I, I it, it it has been harder for Maria. It has been harder for Maria. It does matter when Diane Sawyer is it her mother-in-law? Mother-in-law. Yeah. We, 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 that is privilege. And it's interesting because LeBron LeBron James' agent came out and said, he said, "Hey, you know what? I have to recognize my own privilege uh and then in this particular case cuz I got caught in an unguarded moment and having this conversation and and I need to check myself." So, I think it's interesting cuz ESPN was in a situation where they're like Well, we're not going to have Rachel on on the NBA final broadcast, and at the same time, we're not going to take her show away from her. They had her on Monday, and then on Tuesday, there was this incredible revolt, but they still brought her back on Wednesday. If she was a guy, she would no longer be around. I'll give you the final set. Uh,
3: I think to me that we can extrapolate this out even to things like hiring a police chief, hiring a, a school superintendent. When you have two candidates... All things being equal, I don't think it's unreasonable when the person of color is, is made it to the final table to say maybe there's something there that they've had to work harder for that we should take into account. In other words, if Maria is performing at a high level, you can give her bonus points for achieving what she has in the face of racism her entire life.
2: We'll see you on the other side of this. Hi, I'm Ollie. Hi, I'm Emmy. And we sat down with Ron and Don.
0: When it comes to your real estate journey, it truly is one of life's biggest transactions. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit down.
2: One of our good friends from San Francisco, he stayed in Don's Airbnb. He knew we were looking for a house. We wanted a second unit that we could potentially like renovate and have family come and stay in or Airbnb out. He said, Ollie, you got to meet this guy because he really knows about. He's a real estate agent and he. Has, a, has an awesome Airbnb and kind of knows all about that.
0: They were super knowledgeable, held our hands through what can be a, a pretty daunting process. What set Ron and Don apart was the fact that the, the knowledge that they had of the ADU, Daydo, Airbnb game, um, putting the numbers together and comparing um, having that knowledge was definitely uh, set them apart from from the other agent.
2: Yeah, and and just the knowledge of Seattle, Don and Ron just seem to know all the neighborhoods and be able to talk to every neighborhood and what you might expect. Uh, and so Emmy came across a house uh, um, looked promising in Queen Anne and it ticks a lot of boxes it was probably at that maybe a little higher end of our spend and Don set up a, a he was like this is a promising place and so he was like let me speak to the other realtor let me like figure some things out um, and just kind of get a feel for what this property's doing and, and I think that's so critical now to kind of closing on a on closing on a, and getting a good deal is being able to kind of feel out the other side and understand where they're at so we managed to find one where hey if we if we put an offer in actually maybe we go a little under asking and offer for an inspection and sorry and put a contingency for inspection both things that in this market isn't normal you normally have to waive inspections go over asking he's like let's take a stab at this and um, we wouldn't have been able to be where we're at in terms of buying and renovating a house without his expertise and support.
0: I would definitely recommend working with Ron and Don. Completely satisfied. 100% guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at RonandDonSitDown.com.
2: You're listening to the Ron and Don show on the Ron and Don Radio Network ronanddon.com
1: Alright you guys, welcome back to the uh, Ron and Don Show down in Arizona. Instead of just zapping people uh, that uh, police need to retain. Or detain. Or detain. Did yeah. I say retain? retain.
3: <laughs> Stop! I'm retaining you! <laughs>
1: Are you an attorney? I'd like to retain your services. <laughs> no, you're an attorney. I'm going to detain you. Anyway, instead of throwing people in handcuffs immediately or putting them in shackles or hog tying them, uh, they have a new idea uh, down there that they're going to start wrapping people up, I guess, right?
3: Uh, this is really interesting. It's in the, the category of non-lethal uh, weaponry. And so the the movement here has been, uh, especially after we've seen some of the, the just people die in custody, instead of drawing a weapon... Instead of putting your knee in someone's back, are there other ways to retain slash detain uh, a suspect? And, of course, we've all heard of tasers. Uh, Taser shoots out two probes. And if both probes touch the skin, an electrical current will go through. And for on most people, it will immediately put them to the ground. Uh, you have a stun gun, which is uh, a, like a cattle prod. It has two electrical probes, but you have to touch them physically. The Taser lets you be, you know, 15 feet away. There's a beanbag gun, so the beanbag shoots out uh, beanbags, and you know, basically gets someone's attention, can knock them to the ground. There are rubber bullets. But we've seen in some of the, the riots over the past or, or protests in the past couple of years, riot, rubber bullets have killed people uh, if you get it at close range. So there's a movement for police force to say, give us a new option. So this new option is it is fired out of a gun style device, but it is basically from a comic book. It's a cable that has two weights on the end of it. You put the laser on someone's legs and the cable comes out it starts out wadded up and then as it's deployed out of the weapon it opens and when it hits that person's leg it will wrap around it's a teflon uh, cable that will then wrap around the legs and immobilize a person. I guess it could wrap around their torso as well. There's a case study of a video of a guy that's walking in traffic. He's he's clearly inebriated in some way, not obeying commands. So instead of tasing or instead of drawing the weapon, they wrap him up in the legs and officers are able to get him out of the street. He was holding that that suspect. And here's the X factor for most police forces. That suspect was holding a taser, but it looked like a handgun because it was dark. It was at night. So these officers are looking at him and may not know, is that a handgun or is that a taser or is that a water pistol? They don't know and they still use the, the wraparound device. Yeah. So I like
1: the fact that w- that we're going to try something new. My concern is, though, we still don't have a universal way of policing. So if you were to do a man on the street and and they used to do this when we worked in terrestrial radio a lot, we sent out Josh Kearns, you take a microphone, something happens. The Jewish Federation shooting, for instance, when it happened in downtown Seattle, you take a microphone out, you talk to the man on the street, the woman on the street, and you you just get their reaction response. It'd be different. It would be interesting to go to cities and even in our own city, all over America and ask people about their understanding of when a police officer can shoot someone dead, you get so many different answers. And one of the number one things that we always hear from people, and I remember just reading all the emails whenever there was a shooting and it involved a police officer, people immediately want to know why didn't you just slow him down? Because you see it in the movies, shoot
3: him in the leg. Why
1: didn't you shoot him in the leg? Why didn't you shoot him in the hand? Why did you have to shoot him in the chest? Why did you have to shoot him in the head? Why did you have to kill him? And and I think police departments should answer that, like. You should educate the public about, hey, if if, if you're going to be the next police chief in the city of Seattle, you should be the educator-in-chief. This is why we kill people. This is why we aim. This is our training. The, yeah. The, the, if, if if you think of Sue Rahr, for instance, who was the King County Sheriff, and now she trains a lot of police officers here in Washington State, and we talk a lot about de-escalation. What are the de-escalation rules... And then when do you escalate? And I'll give you an example. Uh, I'm almost done, and I can't wait to show you guys building a daddy in my backyard. It's a little, it's a little second home cottage. Had some guys over here. We call them Sparkies. They're my electricians. Three really big guys. Like, and I'm kind of a big guy. I'm 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 six one, and 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 I shared with you in our last I bet broadcast. You're six
3: foot half an inch now. Yeah,
1: yeah. But I today I think I'm I'm two hundred ten pounds. So. We, we, we hear all hell breaking loose down the alley. In this alley every day, we have a lot of kids play. We have dogs out in the alley. A woman has a dog walking service. And, and our alley is kind of a play yard because over on 14th Street, people don't have front yards. There's a lot of multi family living. There's nowhere for these kids to play. They don't want to play, play down in the main street. So a lot of us grew up playing in alleys. So this is where kids play. Coming down the alley, and I told you about this Holiday Rambler that we have at the bottom of the street that's been there for over a year. From that direction, because we also have a, a men's camp down there, and these are these are not choir boys, I'll tell you that. Uh, he is coming up the alley. He has a machete. He is swinging his machete to and fro and all around. Uh, he is virtually naked. He is acting crazy. Uh, he's acting like a lunatic. He is yelling things that... Uh, my electricians didn't quite understand. And they are up on the top of my garage, and one of them is, is thinking about going down there because he's concerned about uh, these kids that have been playing in the alley, but the kids aren't there at the time. So he's swinging this machete, and then he, he is going to every single car, in the, in the and they watched him do this, every single car in the alley, and he's slashing all their tires. Every single tire. Every single tire in the alley got slashed. Police were called, didn't show up, and this guy went from this alley to the next alley. To, and 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 I don't when when you when you see a situation like that, what are the rules of engagement as you would understand, if a police officer
3: showed up? The way in Seattle, the way I understand it right now, is if they give him a verbal command to drop the machete and he does not comply, then they I believe you give a second verbal verbal judo command. Still doesn't comply. If he's within ten feet of you, you should discharge your weapon. After you tell him you're going to discharge your weapon,
1: well, you should you're going to kill him.
3: Yeah, that's what police
1: departments need to say. Uh, My old roommate Jim Rogers, similar thing happened. It was a Wells Fargo. He's a Seattle police officer. There was a robbery at a Wells Fargo. He responded to this robbery with his team. There was a guy that had gone in with a fake gun. He was a sous chef over in Fremont. He had a woman's dress on. He had a fake mask on. And he had stole over $100,000. I don't think this is public knowledge. Over $100,000 from a Wells Fargo. So now it is. And, And Jim didn't tell me this. Anyway, this guy gets away with it. He jumps in his car. He's driving. He goes to take his dress off. It gets caught on the steering wheel. He flips the car. The car is now upside down over in Madison Park. There's money flying everywhere. Over $111,000 flying everywhere. He gets out of the car. He leaves. He runs. He's bleeding. He gets so greedy. He goes back, and he's trying to gather up all the money. He's he's gathering up all the money. The the police show up. And then for six, seven, eight hours, he's going from house to house. He's hiding. Neighbors there are completely freaked out. They They have him cornered now in the top of a garage. He pulls out a knife, and it's the same thing. He's within 10 feet. Put the knife down. Put the knife down. He didn't put the knife down. He is saying, Jim Rogers said he started coming at me. And, and he ended up shooting this man dead. This is the third person that Jim Rogers, an officer here at SPD, he shot in the line of duty. He shot three people, right? And I don't know if he'd be able to do that and get away with that today because a lot of people would look, and this would have been 10 years ago when this happened. People today would, would, would look at that and say, "Why? Well, why didn't you give him a chance? Why didn't you shoot him in the hand? Why didn't you beanbag him? Why didn't you pull out uh, your taser and tase him? Well, because he's a detective, and detectives don't carry tasers. Uh, They aren't trained in tasers. A lot of cops don't want to carry tasers because they have to use them, and 40% of the time the tasers don't work. So these are the kind of conversations that we need to have about law enforcement. When do we shoot someone dead, and when don't we? Why don't we shoot people in the hand? Why don't we shoot them in the foot like you see in the movie and slow them down? You sit here and you watch. I'm watching Marvel movies with my son the other day, it's amazing that Iron Man can go on a 27-minute fight scene and everything in the world is shot at him, but he's Iron Man and he just kind of walks away from it. That's not the real world, right? And so I, I think we need to do a better job. If we're going to use something Are like you this... Are
3: telling me Captain America isn't real?
1: <laughs> if we're going to use something yeah. like this, and, and I embrace the fact that we're going to try to use technology so we don't have to extinguish people's lives... We also have to have a real hard talk about when we take them and why. We will see you on the other side of this.
0: Hey, what's going on, Ron and Don Nation? This is Therese, a new team member on Ron and Don Team. It's tough out there for buyers right now, and that's why you need a buyer specialist like me. Let's send you a buyer's playbook, and for you sellers, we have a seller's playbook. Reach out to the team, and let's do a sit-down, and we'll get you these playbooks. Just reach out to us at com, and we'll schedule a sit-down today. Now back to the show. All
1: right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Before we get out of here, uh, let's talk about farmers in America. I was unaware of this, that farmers in America have been unable to to fix their tractors as Kenny Chesney says, you think my tractor's sexy? Well, it's not sexy. If it's not run, if it's not running, I can't farm. If it's not running, I can't farm. I can't feed America. If I can't feed America, it means I can't feed my family.
3: What is going on here? And it has something to do with big tech, right? This is interesting to me because I'll be curious to see where you land on this. So if you're John Deere, let's say, and you have a research and development team, so you go out and you talk to all these farmers and they say, "We want. I wanna be able to get in my tractor and by GPS, I want the tractor itself to do the most efficient route through my field to harvest this. I, I'm not gonna to touch anything. This tractor is fully automated. It knows exactly where it is and it's just gonna go. And so they go, okay, we can do that because you wanna do lots of acreage at one time and you want it to be super efficient. So you go and you spend tens of millions of dollars developing technology to say, all right, we're gonna take this tractor, we're gonna now invent this technology to do what the farmers say it should do, or we have as as an option. Hey, you can buy the old school tractor for this amount, but if you want the GPS version, it's gonna be this amount. So that's one example of, of what a tractor would do. I don't know the ins and outs, but that's just take that one for it because I know that's a thing, that you can have GPS on your tractor and you put it. You can map in your acreage and it will just do it. So now something breaks. So we're, we're 18 months into your, your tractor. Your
1: flux capacitor goes out.
3: Yeah, and so what John Deere is saying is... John, this is... This is John the John Deere. The John Deere. What did John say? The the John Deere Corporation is saying, we invested a lot of money to make that a thing. We want you to use an authorized repair person because we invented all this technology for that tractor. That's their position. So if you buy a John Deere tractor with GPS and then something goes wrong with the GPS, then you need to fix it With an authorized John Deere repair person and an authorized John Deere part. Because we don't want to get five years down the road, and then you bring this tractor into us, and there's all these counterfeit parts. Uh, Everybody and their brother on the farm has been pulling apart the control module. It's totally messed up, and you want us to fix it at that point.
1: Well, you would think they would. Devil's advocate, you think they would want that because now you have to buy a new tractor. Possibly.
3: Yeah. The farmers are saying, hey, for generations, we've been able to just drive a tractor into the barn, take out our tools and fix it ourselves. And so the farmers are saying we want to not violate any warranties, not violate any service agreements if we just start taking stuff apart and fixing it ourselves. So that's the standoff. And the president has stepped in and basically said, I'm going to issue an executive order that says farmers can do that. And meanwhile, the John Deere corporations of the world, they've been paying lobbyists a lot of money uh, to have these laws say, hey, we invent the technology, we own the technology.
1: Yeah, so where do you you land on this?
3: I think that there's a case to be made on both sides. I think if you invent a new technology— that there should be a patent and a shelf life where you get to profit off that because you did spend a lot of money to create that technology. I also know that there's a lot of farmers that their margins are super thin depending on the year. Um, And many of them are exceptionally handy mechanically. Uh, And so I, I think they should be allowed to buy the parts if they wanna buy the parts and do it themselves. They should be allowed to do that. They shouldn't have to take it to an authorized dealer, but I do think it should void the guarantee from from John Deere. So you're if you if you're going to take it into your own hands, then don't come back to us when it's really broke. We're not fixing it for I don't, free.
1: I don't think they have the ability. I, maybe we read the story differently, but I, I don't think they have the ability to fix it. I think correct. With, there's a soft
3: there's a software yeah, lock.
1: Yeah. So they're locked out. So you so you're saying they want to. Uh, be able to fix these things, I and not and not, be- and not and not and not screw up the warranty. They can't fix these things to screw up the warranty because because it's impossible for them right. to do that. I'm saying so, they should so, be allowed so, to do
3: it themselves, so it
1: voids un- the warranty. Yeah, unlock it, let them work on it, and then boom. If it if it if it ends up. And they, and they and they use some of the parts that you talked about and the tractor's not working then as a result of that they should have to pull a coin out of their own pocket and and fix that.
3: I agree. That's yeah. what I, that's my position. Yeah. Seems like what, you have a position on this now? That was my position. No, like, your
1: position was you could see both sides. I don't know what side you're on.
3: My my position is what you just said. Let the- <laughs> Let the farmers unlock the, the, like, you. they should be able to, the, you own it, yeah. unlock the software, and then if you break it, you bought it. Yeah. You have to buy a new computer. Or unlock it.
1: It doesn't work.
3: Put reach in your re- pocket. Reach into your pocket. Exactly.
1: Yeah. All right. Anyway, walk away. I
3: <laughs> wonder if there's an actual John Deere. You imagine going to the bar. Hey, what's your name, John Deere? Yeah.
1: I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting, though. I remember riding my bike through farm country, like through Kansas. And there's so many tractors out there where, where they're just – just ride them out to the middle of the field, and then at some point they broke, and they just, they just sit out there in the middle of the field, and they've been out there 50, 60 years. And I don't think the earth is ever going to reclaim those. So uh, I don't know what's going to happen with all those tractors. Anyway. Hey, you guys. Thanks for listening to episode 286 the Ron and Don Show, we really appreciate you. We are licensed brokers at Windermere. And uh, Ron and I have written a couple special books. Uh, they're really playbooks, right? What have we written here?
3: Yeah, I have a, a seller's playbook, a buyer's playbook, if you are getting in the game. Or you have a family member or a friend a co-worker that you want to refer our way. We would really appreciate that. Uh, I will send it out to for you for free. Just email me, ron at com. All right, what about me? You can email I don't um, know Neil.
1: Don't email me. Email Ron. Oh. I don't like getting email. Usually people are complaining. I don't yeah. like complainers. <laughs> hey, you guys. Hope you're having a great week. Don't forget, episode 286 is going to drop on Thursday. The show drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Get signed up for the email, too. Uh, the newsletter, the Ron and Don Nation News. All you got to do is just go to to Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. Oh, like only on the and Don Radio Network.
2: Keep your head up and your shoulders back. And we'll see you next time on the Ron and Don Radio Network.